Welcome to Pod Rocket. I'm Kate, the producer of Pod Rocket, and with me today is John Myers, developer advocate at Superbase. Hi, John. How's it going? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing well. Um, yeah. So this is at the time of recording, like almost exactly a year since we had Paul Copplestone on the podcast. So very exciting um, to have you back on, and uh, and we're gonna do we'll do a check in on on 2021. Yeah, I think uh, being a, a small startup that moves very, very quickly, I'd say there's probably a lot that's changed since that point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And also with me is Paul. Hi, Paul. Hi, Kate. Thanks for joining us today. Um, yeah, so John, maybe if you could just kind of get started on um, what you're working on and um, we can just kind of go from there. Yeah, cool. So uh, as you said, I'm a developer advocate at Superbase. So uh, I've been with Superbase for um, about six months now um, and have been just kind of trying to build up developer advocacy from scratch. So myself and um, and Thor, who was previously at Stripe, um, have just been uh, trying to do as much as we can in, in every way uh, and trying to create lots of content and documentation and um, trying to kind of just show off all the cool things that um, the geniuses at, at Superbase are working on. Is that what a developer advocate does? Do you kind of make the platform really approachable, sort of? And... Yeah, so that's one of the parts. Um, so there are kind of three pillars, I guess, to, to developer advocacy. So there are um, there is the kind of content creation stuff, which is probably where I spend the majority of my time at the moment. Um, and so that's where you're writing blogs, creating video tutorials, maybe doing conference talks, um, things like that, going on podcasts like this wonderful podcast. Uh, and then, so that's the content creation side. And then there's um, the community aspect. So, so trying to build up a community, trying to kind of find those people that are building cool stuff with the product and trying to highlight them as much as possible, trying to give them a platform to talk about their, their things that they've built. Um, and then the third pillar is um, the part that I guess where the, the title advocacy comes from is taking all of the feedback because you spend so much time talking to, to people who are building with the product, um, taking all that that feedback and, uh, and kind of feeding it back into the company to try and uh, make the best product decisions, I guess. That, that's a very good explanation. I mean, like developer advocate seems like a really broad role. We, I was on the podcast with some, uh, Nader who had a similar role and um, it, it seemed a little bit different than what you're doing. So it's kind of cool to hear the, the other perspective of like the more content and user focused kind of side of that. Um, yeah, so I've used Firebase before. Like <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people used Firebase and it's like pretty awesome because I just whipped up a website in like a night and it did everything. Um, yeah. So Superbase is kind of, it's supposed to be that for, for people like me, right? Who want to use Firebase. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, so Superbase was first kind of positioned as the, uh, I think it's still the, the marketing material everywhere, but it's uh, the, the open source alternative to Firebase. Um, and so the founders of Superbase basically had that exact experience. They, you know, built with Firebase and it's just awesome. Like the developer experience is fantastic. Um, something that, that some people hit, which the founders of, of Superbase hit was, um, a, a scaling issue where they couldn't do concurrent, uh, writes, I believe, um, as quickly as they needed to. 
Um, and so uh, looking at using a relational database that's that's kind of optimized for um, that kind of uh, scheduling of all of those concurrent things that need to happen. Um, and so, yeah, that that's where Superbase was born from, was basically wanting to take the awesome developer experience of something like Firebase, um, but replicate it in a, uh, a relational database world that's um, a little bit more scalable. So the reason why there was this push, right, to go to the relational database world is because inherently in a document, in like the JSON-y, what is it, a NoSQL database, writes are expensive, uh, right? Yeah. And is there is there anything beyond the expensive rights reason that motivated Superbase to kind of go in that direction? Or like, was it more the, the use case of, oh, we want good rights? Or was it more like, I'm going to stick it to the man and make an open source backend as a service. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think uh, like open source has always been so important to everyone at, at Superbase, especially the two founders. Um, everything that we do is open source. Obviously, that's why we're the open source alternative to Firebase. Um, but yeah, it's always been such a, a massive focus. Um, and so I think they were just excited to build something open source um, that, that kind of solved that same problem. Um, but yeah, I think that uh, as applications tend to scale like you, you have those uh those problems with read, reads and writes but um you also uh like not having relationships in a database when you just have a collection of separate documents uh a lot of the time you need to um do multiple round trips to the database to kind of request the different bits that you need so you might get back a list of all of your blogs for example uh but you need all of the content for all of those blogs or all the titles for all of those blogs and so then you need to go off uh, and make a separate request um, to get more more data about each one of those. So uh, yeah, a relational database just um, kind of solves that problem by having relationships between your data. You can kind of send one big query that uh, that gets you back everything that you need all in one go. Um, so not just the technical limitations of how quickly you can read and write, but also just how efficiently you can request um, the kind of big blobs of related data that you need from the database. So kind of thinking about the way those queries are orchestrated when you're taking something like Postgres and you're making it as such a easy to use service like what was one of the hardest scaling consider considerations um being one of the first people that kind of wanted to take this to this level um because yeah. anybody that knows that when you're trying to like shard out Postgres in a smart way it's like not daisies and rainbows so I'd love to hear a little <laughs> bit about that yeah, for sure. I think that's definitely beyond uh, like my experience with with Superbase. I definitely I haven't been working on the the performance side so much. But I think from a um, like from the developer experience side, which is probably where I could talk more to. Um, I think that uh, like SQL tends to to scare a lot of beginners, um, and so writing writing big SQL queries just to um, to get the data that you need out of the database or to write something to the database, I think intimidates a lot of beginners, especially coming from you know the Jamstack ecosystem or potentially the like mobile development side of things. Um, and so I'd say one of the big the big problems that we um, that we were trying to tackle with Superbase was was really nailing that that developer experience and really. Um, building something that uh, people with with very little experience building backend systems could use, because that's kind of what we're trying to abstract. We're obviously a, a database as a service or kind of backend as a service service, uh, and so uh, being able to abstract away the complexity of that and give people really nice tools that they can um, that they can use to to interface with that database 
uh, was definitely one of the big things we were trying to solve. But in that, you don't want to just give people like a very um, slim set of tools that they can that they can use um, to build their application. Because then, when you get those more advanced use cases, um, you can't the the user can't really solve those problems. Um, and so one of the big things that we've always tried to do with um, Superbase is to, because it's just a collection of kind of open source convenience tools wrapping around a Postgres database, um, we want to make it as, as obvious as possible that it is a Postgres database. Um, and we want to give you tools to be able to interface with that database directly. Um, and so in Superbase, you can uh, go over to the SQL editor and you can basically write um, SQL that executes directly on the database. Um, and so by kind of trying to solve those um, those onboarding easy DX problems that that exist with um, with learning SQL, but then also giving people the superpowers that they need once they start building a more complex application. Um, I think they're, they're the two things we're always trying to balance and make sure uh, that we solve both of those use cases. So if I was, I've never used Superbase, Superbase myself. I've only used Firebase once or twice. So if I was trying to use Superbase tonight to like make something, um, what what do you think is the number one spot that you see a lot of people coming on for the first time having trouble? You mentioned SQL, but if you're, let's say you're a developer, right? You know some SQL. So what's like one of the other places that you might want to watch out or put your thinking cap on um, or a good place to go get resources kind of for that? So one of the really cool things about um, about Superbase is that it uses Postgres under the hood. And so that's Postgres T, Postgres t with a T. Uh, and so this is um, a tool that um, allows you to interface with your database with a REST client. But the other thing that it, that it adds is auto-documenting or auto-generating documentation. Um, and so if you go to the API tab, I believe, in, in Superbase, um, it basically shows you um, automated uh, automatically generated documentation based on your actual project. So every time you create a table, um, it will auto-generate the uh, the documentation for how you can insert rows into that table or how you can select rows from that table. Um, and so that's a really, really great place to uh, to also uh, to, to get started when you first start using Superbase. Um, it'll teach you how to create a client, how to uh, write data, read data, all of those things. Um, but I think the probably the number one sticking point that people have um, when they first come to Superbase is uh, dealing with row-level security. And so we use row-level security for authorization. Um, and so this is a way that you can write your authorization rules in the database itself, um, and the database will enforce them for you instead of needing to... So, for example, instead of needing to check that... So it's kind of like um, Firebase a little bit, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So very much yeah. inspired by that. Um, but row-level security itself exists in Postgres. And so this is, again, one of those features that's already in Postgres that we can take advantage of. Um, but I think just that that way of, um, of writing access policies in SQL um, is something that, that trips people up a little bit at the start. I think they're very used to kind of um, connecting to uh, their database from their API instead of their client, and then the at the API layer, they are writing you know JavaScript or whatever to um, to enforce that the user has the right role to see uh, to see what they're trying to access. Um, whereas in um, in Superbase, because we know who the user is, because we do authentication um, and your database storage, we know who the user is that's trying to select those records. So you can make a request directly from the client to the database. Um, and the database will enforce that they can only see what they're meant to see. Um, and I think that's a very 
confusing sticking point for a lot of people because um, they're just not used to that mental model coming from uh, potentially the Jamstack ecosystem. I, I feel like that whole method of authentication is also, it's definitely like a product of the modern times where we've had, we have all the SAML and, and single sign-on and it's, we're just changing the auth model kind of to having that one person that can authenticate with the database. Um, one thing that I had a gripe with when I was using Firebase, and I was, if you can clear up any suggestions for workflow or ways to think about this, or maybe it's just you need to spend time with it, but I felt like it gave me more control over the data, um, but it slowed me down when I was developing it because I was always going back in the database and saying, oh, I got to change who is this user, like what permissions do they have? And it's, but like, well, once you got it right, it was pretty, it was pretty nice because you could just run off yeah. of it. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so was, I think that's maybe uh, maybe something that is inherent to this is that there is um, a little bit of work to do up front because you, you're you writing your policies. You're not just like creating a table and then you have immediate access to it. Or you, you can do that in Superbase. You can also turn off, um, or by default, row-level security isn't actually enabled. So you do have just write, read and write access to the database. Um, but yeah, I guess that's that's something that's inherent to um, to writing access rules in your database. Is that something that you think of upfront? And so there's a little bit of work that you need to do uh, to make sure that you're locking down your database in the correct way or enabling access in the correct way. Um, but I guess that um, that scales nicely because you you get all of that set up initially uh, right when you're building the application, and then there's less uh, kind of friction as you're going because um, all you need to do is every time you need to um, enable access for a different use case or whatever. You just need to write one policy um, and everything else is is kind of already set up. It also protects you from writing some bad logic down down the line um, that does expose that data because those, those rules are written in the database themselves. And so um, at the API, you can't really expose things that you're not meant to expose um, because everything is kind of being enforced by uh, by the database itself. Um, so I have one last question about the actual technology of your stack. Um, I'm thinking about this Postgres thing, right? So it's like this other layer that's sitting in between me and my database and other things that I think about that do that are like PG bouncer or some sort of other. So how, how does Postgres, what role does it play? Why is it there? And like, what do you, how do you see it benefiting developers besides just like the abstraction layer? Like the abstraction layer is pretty any abstraction is good if you don't want to get your face in the weeds right but i'd love to hear a little bit more about like what the role of postgres is yeah so postgres um kind of gives us that that magic of making everything feel really really tightly integrated um so that's one of the things that um is really special about um about using something like superbase because you've got as I was saying before, you've got auth and you've got the the database stuff and you've got row level policies. Um, they're all living inside that um, that ecosystem of of, of Superbase. And so, um, in your row level policies, you can see who the user that's making that request is um, because you're you're handling that whole end to end experience. And so that's something that Postgres gives us access to um, is because the user is making uh, like the client is making a request to Postgres and then Postgres is going off to the Postgres database. Um, it is uh, actually uh, it basically it gives us access to the um, the JWT token that got passed along with that request. Usually in the database, you can't 
inspect without writing a lot of um, custom code yourself. You can't inspect uh, what the JWT was of the client who made that request. And so Postgres uh, nicely passes along all of that information. Um, so in your super-based uh, RLS policies, you can see who the user is that's logged in, but it also means that um, you can uh, detect who the user is throughout any of those things that you're doing with Superbase. So if you're writing Postgres functions, for example, um, then yeah, in your Postgres functions, you can see who the user is that's made that request. Um, it also allows us to do things like uh, make a request to a Postgres function from the client. So uh, we can create a Postgres function that um, that has a whole bunch of complicated logic in it, a whole bunch of you know, complicated, scary SQL. Uh, and then we can just expose that as a Postgres function that we can call from the client. Um, and so again, because the client is passing across um, that authorization token, they're passing across that, uh, that JWT token, uh, we can make sure that they're actually allowed to run the SQL that exists in that Postgres function. Um, so Postgres with a T, kind of like ties all of those things in together. Um, so it's the layer that um, basically gives Postgres the, Postgres the knowledge of who the requesting user is um, and also just provides a really nice interface for the client to, uh, to request that data. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, it sounds like a nice interface. It's just like a really good bed to build SDKs off of really quickly that you can pump out once you once you get that layer kind of sorted out yeah. um yeah yeah so from the client um, side it gives you that convenience and that nice simple api and from the database layer it gives us access to who's actually asking for that information so what what are some of the coolest projects that you you've seen like i mean i can look up Superbase and see uh all sorts of big names on there but like what, what do you think is cool some compelling use cases or some people that maybe stretch the product um yeah. that inform some future building decisions yeah, for sure. Um, I there, there's this awesome site um, called Made with Superbase. So I think it's just madewithsuperbase.com. We'll chuck it in the in the description. Um, and that is a it's a it's a community built project um, that just basically uh, lists out every project that we have ever heard about that um, is using Superbase. And so it's a really cool place to to just kind of click through and see the awesome stuff that people um, are building. A um, unfortunately, recently sunsetted project um, that I was really excited about was Slip. Um, so Slip.so um, was an educational platform that was built on Superbase, and um, it uh, was yeah had some really nice interactive um, educational courses. Um, but then also from the content creator side, um, it allowed the the person who was building the course to charge for the course upfront. So they could basically get people excited about the course and committed to buying it by purchasing the course before it had actually been created. Um, so then it kind of gave you the inspiration to create the course. Um, another awesome one um, that I saw recently was like a links. Um, it's it's just like a massive like Figma file of just uh, like all of the links that you want to keep a track of. So if you think about like a visual version of um, of your bookmarks toolbar, so everything that you want to be able to bookmark and come back to later, um, you drop into this kind of like you drop the URL into this this Figma file or this this thing that looks like a Figma file, uh, and it will go off and get like a preview version of the website and have it there um, and bring in uh, a bunch of the like OG 
uh, image information and stuff. Uh, so just like a really nice like collage of all of these things that you want to keep a track of. Um, but yeah, there have been so many, so many cool, awesome projects built with Superbase. I recommend checking out the madewithsuperbase.com uh, website and uh, yeah, checking out what can be done. Yeah, I just pulled it up and there is a lot. There's a lot of stuff here. That That's cool. There's a lot of good inspiration to kind of like look at what you can do with this. So yeah. Superbase, so what do you think is like the biggest strength of Superbase besides what we've talked about in the beginning, kind of like the row-based access of your relational data? Yeah, I think uh, like having the power of Postgres behind it. So having, um, you know, almost infinite scalability um, and such a battle-tested kind of um, database technology that's just been around forever. Um, but the real strength, I think, is because we're we're wrapping everything, uh, we're wrapping these tools around just a, a Postgres database and giving you direct access to that Postgres database, it makes um, Superbase very portable. And so um, most, most systems might give you the ability to export out your your data is like a CSV or something like that. But in Postgres, you can take a whole dump of your entire database. And because with Superbase, um, we're, we're doing things like writing row-level policies or row-level security policies um, in the database itself, all of that comes out as well. And so it's not just that you get a CSV that you then need to work out how to import into another database. You can take an entire dump of everything in your Postgres database or everything in your, your Superbase um, backend that you've built and go and host that anywhere else. So um, yeah, it's super, super portable, which is awesome from a, um, you know, just not being uh, tied into or having that vendor lock-in with a particular thing. But it also means, you know, if we fail, like we're building things very, very quickly and uh, and scaling up way faster than we, we can probably afford to uh, most of the time. And so if, if something did happen where we ended up uh, not being able to handle that and collapsing as a company, it means that all of your stuff is is still safe. Like you just dump it out and go and put it somewhere else and you've still got your uh, your application still running. The fact that I can run it myself is wild because one, one thing about Firebase that attracted me in at the first part was this is easy. I don't need to think about it. And I kind of just like the SDKs are there and Superbase has all of that. But if you're a DBA or you're a systems guy, or whatever, whatever it might be, like you can take that and you can stretch it and optimize it to really penny pinch and get the cheapest backend that you can get. That I feel like that is one of the biggest things in my mind. I'm just like, wow. And, and there's a lot of open source tools out there for tuning. Like, can how tunable is the Postgres backend of things? Like, can can we play with that? How how do we do that? Yeah, yeah. So we give you direct access to to the Postgres uh, database. And it like won't mess with any of the way that Superbase on the application layer. Um, if you're kind of poking, prodding Postgres underneath. <laughs> well, I so mean, sure it depends what you do. do I'm really sure you know. <laughs> because we give you we give you access. Obviously, you do have the ability to shoot yourself in the foot. Um, but yeah, most of the things like as in yeah, if you were just um, inserting some records or, or changing um, the structure of your database, things like that. Obviously, that's not gonna going to affect Superbase. If you took the uh, the user or the role that Superbase is logged in as and change the permissions of that so that it wasn't allowed to see the database, then uh, you might break your entire system. That doesn't um, sound good. No. <laughs> Don't do that. Don't do that. That's not recommended. Um, but yeah, because you have direct access. <laughs> yeah, because you have direct access, you're not kind of uh, limited by 
um, the features that we're pushing out either. Like if if there's something um, that you really want to to be a part of your application that isn't supported by Superbase yet, you have direct access to the Postgres database. So you can go and implement that yourself. Or even better, you can, because the whole project is open source, you could build it into Superbase and get those contribution stickers. We'll send you lots of t-shirts and stickers and thank yous. What if I wanted to set up master slave like replication um i could just do that and it would it would probably be fine uh yeah you would be able to um potentially set that up it would be something to to play with not something i have experience with um but yeah it'd be a fun one to try so do is there any um other plugins that aren't part of the super base immediate repo kind of that you've have found others in the community finding useful and like what what do those do like any logging yeah. type of things or dashboards out there or i know superbase has their own but yeah we, we recently acquired um uh logflare which is very uh exciting that um yeah we have we have logging in in superbase now which is awesome um but yeah in terms of other extensions that um that are great. Uh, the HTTP extension is a really good one um, that allows you, so that's a Postgres extension um, that allows you to make a HTTP request um, from within Postgres itself. Um, and so something that's really uh, powerful about having a Postgres database is that you can create Postgres functions. So this is something that I was talking about before. Um, and the, having the HTTP extension means essentially you can create a Postgres function that can make a request to a live API. And so one of the really um, common use cases for that is um, you want to maybe create a, a customer in Stripe every time a customer signs into your um, Superbase application. And so you can create a, um, a Postgres function that goes off and creates uh, a Stripe customer. And because, again, we're in Postgres, you can then use a trigger um, which is another thing, uh, another another database thing where you can subscribe to particular events in the database and then call uh, Postgres functions. And so um, in, in that use case, you could listen to changes on your users table and anytime a new user is inserted into that table, you could call this Postgres function, which goes and gets a Stripe uh, user, uh, sorry, it creates a Stripe customer. And then um, because that Postgres function has direct access to your database, you can just um, update that row to have your new Stripe ID. So you can have this kind of automated system that's all uh, taking place just when the user signs in for the first time. It can kind of automate all of these things that are happening in the background. Um, another really cool extension that we've actually just built, so it's um, an open source uh, extension completely separate from Superbase, but something that we're soon to implement into, um, into your Superbase instance is PG GraphQL. And so um, we've recently built an extension that allows you to uh, to yeah make GraphQL requests directly to your Postgres database, um, which is yeah, very exciting. I, I recommend you go and check out that project because I think yeah that's going to be a big probably a big addition to Superbase soon. Yeah, that's that makes me want to go use it right now. Like <laughs> GraphQL is beautiful, and if it's like built right in there, I mean that's. That's phenomenal. And I know there's also there there's a lot of tried and true support that has gone on kind of like merging those two technologies over the past few years. So um, it must be. Yeah. It, it, time has come. Right. That's really cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's been one that's been on the list for a while. And yeah, everyone's very excited to get that one uh, 
into hosted database, uh, hosted Superbase instances. It's going to be very cool. And thinking back to the functions that you just mentioned, um, my initial thought when I hear what you told me is these are kind of like Postgres runtime Lambda functions, almost, because yeah. they're like in their own little state of the world and they do their own things yeah so you're you're nodding your head like kind of <laughs> yeah bit. yeah they're, they're they're very similar to that um conceptually and so uh yeah you have these functions that um that exist within your database one of the the kind of i guess benefits of of these over something like lambda is that uh because your database is an always on system your database is always always there running waiting for requests um it doesn't spin up and shut down the same way that a serverless function does. Um, so it's always on. So that means that you can do really interesting things like set up a cron server, for example. Um, there's a really good blog by Paul Copplestone, the, the CEO of, of Superbase, um, that, that basically shows you how you can create um, a cron server within Postgres itself um, with just a, a very small number of commands. Um, and so having, uh, it, it's kind of like, a a lambda function but with database superpowers um yeah it's very cool but while you're talking about functions i should probably address that it's not just it's not the 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 kinds of uh serverless functions like lambdas that um that our community is is constantly asking us to build um so that's been something that's been on the roadmap since since basically day one um it's always been been something that um, that we've wanted to get up and running properly. Um, but uh, like everything within that Superbase ecosystem, um, it's all so tightly um, integrated in and you have access to, to everything in that Superbase ecosystem. And so we, we really want to um, spend the time to understand what people want to do with serverless functions and how we can build the absolute best uh, possible, most integrated version of that. Um, so it's something that we're working on, but we haven't haven't quite launched it yet. But hopefully, more on that soon. So it sounds like you're really trying to, the team's really trying to focus on like what is in in our ecosystem in the super base world, what is going to be that phenotype of lambda? Because it's going to be a little different than what's up in the AWS guys, right? And you want to take that new phenotype and make sure it's like as clean as it can be and it says running so that's what you're kind of, it's kind of like testing the waters right now right yeah yeah that's right we want it we want it to Go feel ahead. like you're still using superbase we don't want it to feel like you're just writing a lambda function and you happen to be writing it in in the superbase ui like we want it to to be tightly integrated into everything else um so you have the kinds of superpowers that you have with all of the other pieces of superbase that's exciting. I'm I'll, I'm going to keep an eye out for this. I'm especially I really like the GraphQL integration. I'm going to keep harping on that. That's really cool. Uh, who do you who do you think that with all these technologies being a little different than AWS and like GCP and those guys out there, do you think that's going to target the same exact audience when people are building? Um, or is the audience right now a little bit different? And do you see like do you see AWS and um, Firestore kind of in? Uh, no not firestore um firebase yeah do you see do you see firebase and uh the other guys kind of being a competitor to superbase or are you targeting a different kind of niche of customers um hoping to take them over someday <laughs> we'll take all the customers uh no yeah. we <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i think we would 
we see them as 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 healthy competition. They're doing uh, awesome things. I mean, if if AWS went down, the whole world would go down. So <laughs> we like having them there. <laughs> um, but yeah, in terms of things like like um, Firebase, I think that's uh, the original kind of positioning of the of the company was the open source alternative to Firebase, and so it was very kind of um, conceptually tied to the the capabilities of of Firebase and and what Firebase could do. Um, and initially, we were looking at kind of um, replicating each of those features that exist, so database or a place to to store data. Um, that being able to be uh, like subscribed to real time events on that data, being able to handle authentication and authorization, and then file storage—they're um, all sort of the the core pieces of what make Firebase awesome. Um, but it's also quite limiting um, if we were to only build what exists in Firebase. And so I think um, that that kind of um, uh, that that kind of uh, marketing headline is something that I think we want to uh, maybe move away from in the future, uh, as we want to build some things that um, that uh, outside of the things that that Firebase offer. Like there's there's so much more cool stuff that we could do if we're not kind of limited by only building things that Firebase engineers have have solved in the past. Can you tell us anything that people have been talking, whispering about on the big round table about what those things might be? Some of them are just very, very early conceptual things. Um, but I think, you know, like the idea of um, of, of what we're, the, the kinds of things that we're trying to do with functions, for example, like um, I think conceptually people have this expectation of what it, what it would be um, because of the things that already exist. And so um, we want to kind of excel past that. We want to be able to build something that, um, is even cooler than than that thing could be because I mean if you wanted to build a serverless function um, like you can already create a lambda or you can um, if your if your client is hosted on something like Vercel you've already got um, serverless functions right there and so I think um, trying to build things that are beyond just what exists at the moment um, but yeah can't hint anything yet stay tuned. <laughs> That's for the episode next year or at this time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> episode 200. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, the, the future, the future looks bright. I, I haven't like, yeah, I keep saying, I haven't really looked into Superbase personally that much, but this just looks like the holy grail of sort of like the, the, the full stack engineer that likes to do things themselves. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that's right. That's really... exactly what, exactly what we're trying to tackle. Like the people that just, the, the hobby developers that just want to play with something all the way through to people that want to build very advanced, cool stuff. Right on. Well, thank you, John. Um, this this was a great overview. I learned a lot about Superbase in this episode. Um, I, I hope the viewers pick something up. And uh, right, so you can go to the Superbase documentation, obviously, to go look at things. Um, yeah. You mentioned madewithsuperbase.com for inspirations. Yeah, another and I assume like a lot resource. of those projects are going to be open source themselves um, since this yeah. is an open source community. <laughs> so you can go look at yeah. them. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, another resource I would highly recommend you check out if you're getting started with Superbase is a free Egghead course that I recently launched, um, which basically takes you all the way from an empty project all the way through to building um, a fully in-production SaaS product um, that can earn you real money, and it's built with Next.js, Superbase, and Stripe. So I recommend you go and check that out. It gets pretty deep. 
Awesome. Yeah, we'll put the we'll put all um, all the links we talked about in the show notes. And uh, yeah, John, thanks so much for for coming on. Thanks for having me. This has been awesome. Thanks for listening to Pod Rocket. Find us at Pod Rocket Pod on Twitter, or you could always email me, even though that's not a popular option. It's Brian at Log Rocket.